You are listening to the Wool Academy podcast. This is episode number 83. Hello and welcome. My name is Elizabeth Van Delden and once a week we talk to an industry expert from the wool industry supply chain from farm to fashion and beyond, delivering strategies and insights to be successful in wool and showcasing those beautiful stories wool has to tell. In mid-May, I attended the IWTO Congress in Hong Kong. Attending the conference gave me the opportunity to meet new people and expand my network and, of course, also get access to new interesting guests for the Wool Academy podcast. And I also interviewed a few people during the Congress because it's always nice to speak to people in person. And I was very happy that I had the opportunity to interview Adam Dawes. He's the senior agricultural advisor on the Falkland Islands. And I've always wanted to talk to someone from the Falkland Islands or someone who knew something about the wool industry on the Falkland Islands. So it was a real pleasure to have the opportunity to meet with Adam Dawes. And I hope you enjoy this interview as well. Okay, Adam, it's a wonderful opportunity to meet you here in Hong Kong at the Adaptive Congress. And thank you so much for your time. I really look forward to talking to you. So why don't you just introduce yourself and tell us what you do in the wool industry? Sure. So I'm the I'm Adam Dawes. I'm the Senior Agriculture Advisor for the Falkland Islands Department of Agriculture. Um, I guess in the Department of Agriculture, we manage everything from farmer advice to we manage a wool sampling and testing program in the islands. Um, we also undertake regulatory um, activities such as ensuring animal welfare. We undertake certification, so health certification of exported greasy wool. We also do health certification of our export abattoir that's EU approved. Um, so we're a very wide-spanning agriculture department relative to most agricultural departments. We're both technical, operational and politi political and regulatory, whereas most agricultural departments around the world are stuck to regulatory policy type matters and a lot of the technical and operational is farmed out to the private sector. So you also take over a few of the broker, typical broker activities? We, we don't so much mix in with the broker activities. Okay. So we've got two brokers that mm -hmm. sell Falkland Islands wool. They're Falklands wool growers and the um, Falklands wool company. Um, they undertake all the brokering activities, but we do undertake independent sampling of the wool that gets sent off to either New Zealand Wool Testing Authority or Wool Testing Authority Europe, and then we get IWTO certification that's then used by the brokers to trade wool. But we do that sampling as a as a, an impartial authority. And I don't know what the typical accent would be of someone from the Falkland Islands, but your accent is more Australian. So yes. tell us a little bit more about your background. So so my background, um, I'm the sixth generation of a wool growing family in the southern tablelands of New South Wales in Australia. Um, I grew up on a super fine wool farm, went to university in rural New South Wales, studied agronomy, um, sales agronomy for three and a half years out of university. I then moved into the Australian government work for the Federal Department of Agriculture in the plant quarantine side of things. Uh, I was there for seven or eight years, started to look at opportunities for a bit of a career break. Um, the agronomy position came up in the Falklands and I was thankfully <laughs> successful in getting that. Um, about a year into my time there, my, my predecessor 
um, left at the end of his contract. I was successful in gaining the senior agricultural advisor mm -hmm. or the head of service position. Um, so I guess that's how I've come to land there. And I've, I've really enjoyed, I, I guess it's reignited my passion for wool now, moving away from the purely agronomy plant science type thing, getting back more towards the, you know, the, the onwards part of the game, the, the sheep management and the mm -hmm. wool part of the game. And it's, 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 it's quite interesting. But I guess that the typical Falklands accent British people think that it's an Australian or New Zealand accent and people from Australia or New Zealand think it's typically a British accent, so it's it's a mix and mm -hmm. particularly with the farmers it's a mix of a, a British accent, an Australian accent and a New Zealand accent uh -huh. because a lot of, <laughs> we get a lot of seasonal workers, particularly shearers and shed hands come to help with shearing and a lot of our farmers have worked with, with shearing gangs in Australia and New Zealand so there's kind of that hybridization of the accent that happens. Okay. Well, thanks for educating me on that. Now I know. No problem. Um, so yeah, we already started a little bit, but tell me a little bit more about the Falkland wool industry. How's it set up? How does it work? Et yeah, so I, I guess we've got about half a million sheep in the Falklands. Um, we're basically a, a self-replacing sheep flock. So our, our primary uh, method of production is is for producing wool. So to put that in perspective, we're looking at the moment uh, farmers are probably grossing about 12 million US dollars per year from their wool sales. Um, that's probably backed up by about two to two and a half million US dollars per year in meat sales. Mm -hmm. So our primary objective is wool. Um, we're from a, coming from a traditional Corridale base in our breeds. Uh, for the last 25 years, We've been operating with a national stud flock that was initiated with the importation of 500 Polworth sheep from Tasmania. Um, and in the last eight years, since about 2010, we've been bringing in a significant amount of Australian Merino semen to, to take forward the, the qualities of our wool. I guess to, to place the profile of our clip, um, our average is about 24.5 micron. It spans from 16.8 micron up to about 30, so quite a wide-ranging clip. But the bulk sits around that 24 micron thereabouts. That's quite a nice niche. There's a lack of supply in that range in the in the global trade. Um, our wool's reputed as being some of the whitest wool in the world. Mm -hmm. um, it's very long wool and quite strong. So our, our length is generally between about 80 and 110 millimeters. And why would it be especially white? So I, I think it comes down partly to our soils. So our soils are whilst we do have some pure peats, our soils are kind of classed as peaty soils, so they have a, a high organic matter, um, which, which I, I think uh, reduces the amount of staining that happens in the wool as a result of the soil. We're also relatively low rainfall, so we're only 400 to 600 millimetres, um, but one of the other key climatic features of the Falklands is our, our high average wind speed. Mm -hmm. So even if sheep do get wet during a large downpour, they're generally dry within 12 hours, so we don't have that yellowing that's associated with mm -hmm. rainy periods and sheep remaining wet for a long period of time. And do you also have low um, usage of chemicals, etc., on your farms? We do. So um, I guess traditionally um, we had a majority of the farms in the Falklands were actually approved under the Australian Certified Organic Scheme mm -hmm. because we're a very, very low input system. We don't have a lot of pest and disease pressures that other countries have, so we don't have any lice, we don't have any foot rot, we don't have any liver fluke, 
so we're quite free of a lot of those diseases that plague a lot of other wool producing countries. Um, it's fair to say that 90% of the sheep in the Falklands have probably never seen an agrochemical of any type, um, which means we are virtually organic in that sense. However, some of the other, the other, I guess, practices that aren't accommodated within the organic certification scheme, like artificial insemination, they kind of exclude or reduce the, the operating options for some of the farms. So mm -hmm. we're, we're virtually organic is the way that we... Okay. the way that we say it now. Yeah. And how many wool growers are actually on the Falklands? So we've got uh, 80 farms on the Falklands. Um, that changes slightly, but it's been sitting around about that mark for the last three or four years. Um, the average flock size is about six to 7,000 animals. Um, and we've got one third of the animals in the islands between four larger farms. Okay. And I saw a number that you have 157 sheep inhabitant yeah 153 sheep <laughs> per inhabitant so I think we're the most the most sheep per capita of anywhere in the world at a, at a fair bit we've got a population of around 3,000 and well half a million sheep so yeah that's impressive but tell me a little bit more about the history of the Falkland Islands in relations to the wool industry for example how did the sheep actually get to the Falkland Islands yep so so we had um, the, the original sheep were actually brought down from Britain in the early 1800s um, and the wool industry well it's grown from there. Um, sailors, um, I guess the beginning of agricultural domesticated animal semi-domesticated in the islands was that sailors um, dropped some cattle there um, in the late 1700s um, and that was so that there was basically a source of meat as they went by they could replenish their ship stores. Mm -hmm. um, however in the 1800s sheep were introduced to the islands and well it's grown from there even some of the sheep that originally arrived in Patagonia um, were actually imported there from the Falklands. Mm -hmm. So it can be said that the, the Falklands was a stepping stone to initiating the sheep industry in Patagonia, which is now huge. Okay, that's interesting. And not that many people have the chance to visit the Falkland Islands. You told me there's one commercial flight per week. Yeah. <laughs> so for our listeners who've never been to the Falkland Islands, can you maybe describe a little bit what is the landscape like? Yeah, what, sure. What should we sh imagine? Sure. I, I guess there's, there's very wide open spaces and it's quite extensive. So, and particularly once you get to the, the second main island, West Falkland, um, you can drive for an entire day and hardly see anyone else the whole way. So a lot of people say it's like some of the hill country in Scotland or some of the, the northern Scottish Isles, like the Shetland or the Orkney Islands. Um, but it's a very extensive landscape. It's quite flat. Mm -hmm. um, I think our highest mountain is around about a thousand feet. Um, so it's a fairly flat, undulating landscape. Um, but like I said earlier, that one of the predominant features that, that people notice when they come is, is the wind. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I guess we, whilst we do have one commercial flight per week, there is quite a large number of cruise ship passengers pass through each year. So we get up to 60,000 cruise ship passengers, but they're only day trippers. So they, they get to experience a very small part of the Falklands, but really to experience the, the full Falklands, you need to be there for a week or more even to get around some of the the outer islands and some of the a good portion of the east and the west Falkland. Okay, and you um, talked already a little bit about the specifications of your wool. What would you say? Maybe summarize one more time. What are the the 
what is so special about the Falkland wool? So I think for, for my mind, coming from Australia, I can see that the Falklands wool is unique in the sense that it's it's very clean and white. So I think there's, there's a lot to be gained um, in terms of margins by processes and not having to go through the wool as much to remove our vegetable matter. Um, and the direction that we're heading in, it really is a wool that stands out from what I thought I was going to see when I arrived with the cleanliness. And we've also got the quality of our clip preparation. I think we, we do have a quality Falklands wool scheme that controls you know the removal of contaminants and making sure that we're keeping stain out and putting in clean f fleeces into the, into the bales. So that gives our buyers a lot of confidence. And they're not having to go through and reclass and re-prepare some of the wools like, like they would from other markets. So we quite often find that our wool buyers are happy to tip our bales straight into the scale bath they're not going through them and picking out bits and pieces before they process. So it's it's pleasing that we can give our buyers that degree of confidence. And where does the majority of your wool go to then? Where is it exported to? So we, we change balance a little bit from year to year, but the, the main countries we're currently selling to now are Uruguay, the UK, Germany, Bulgaria and the Czech Republic. Um, I guess being a, a relatively small clip at 1.7 million kilograms greasy, we can't penetrate every market, um, but we're, we're always looking at options to try and expand our market access, obviously. You know, demand drives prices, um, our supply is limited, so if we can extend to other markets that are paying, paying a premium, hopefully that can return, return something to our farmers. And do you have bilateral agreements with certain countries? to import the wool to free? Or? I guess at the moment um, we, we find that sending our wool into the EU is certainly tariff-free mm -hmm. um, and we, we issue health certification and the like to deal with the uh, biosecurity and quarantine issues um, and also selling into Uruguay. We don't have any trade barriers or problems or problems there. Okay. And what is the Falkland wool then best used for? What kind of products? I guess given our micron range and our position, so at that 24.5 and we're sort of spanning from 18 right through until, you know, we're probably not getting much higher than 30 too often now, but we, we can go into both the, the woolen and the worsted process. So it's it's difficult to say, you know, our, our primary, um, I guess our primary customers are generally top manufacturers or wool scours, mm -hmm. um, and beyond there we don't know, but we know that Falklands has turned up in knitted products in Japan, uh, it's turned up in felted products, in socks, it's gone towards suiting material, so it's that whole range that it can go from. We don't, we don't so much get into the carpet walls because we're not at that end. We're not coarse enough for that end. But mm -hmm. it's a very wide-ranging, um, I guess, marketplace, and, and we're, we're starting to find now that there's demand coming back from those customers wanting to produce a pure Falkland Islands wool top. You know, they appreciate the story associated with the Falkland Islands, and we're starting to see. Um, retail outlets coming out with swing tags that actually say this is a Falkland Islands jumper or this is a Falkland Islands coat. So that's that's a nice a nice part of the story that they're that they're passing on. So is that something long term you would be looking to communicate more? This I think story? certainly we are now, and, and combined with our our relatively large tourism sector, you know there is a story to be told about the Falklands, and we we want to start to build the image of that quite clean green. You know, agriculture working in conjunction with the environment, not trying to get as much out of the environment as we can. So it's certainly something that we want to start to promote 
more and more in the future. And what would you say would be the challenges the Falkland Island blue growers face? I, I guess, yeah, we've got production challenges because of our, our environment. Um, there's always some efficiencies to be gained there, but we want to make sure that those efficiencies are achieved in balance with nature. Um, one of the other challenges we face is our remoteness, mm -hmm. um, both through shipping logistics and our connectivity with the world as well. So our all our internet at the moment is via satellite link. Mm -hmm. And in terms of maritime shipping, we've got two options um, and they leave the island approximately every four to six weeks each. So we're, we're kind of connected to the world, but we're disconnected in a sense. So it needs really good planning that you make sure you get those shipments out on those days it, exactly right. the ships are passing by. Yeah, okay. that's exactly right. Um, and what would be a typical day of yours or a typical week? How would it look like? A typical week of mine? Yeah. Um, so I guess being the, being the senior agricultural advisor, I, I manage um, staff as well. Um, I tr try and, and maintain a mix of doing what needs to be done in the office and getting out to farm, but at the moment that balance probably isn't exactly where I wanted. I'm probably stuck in the office more than I'd like to be on farm. That's really my my passion is to get out and engage directly with the farmers. Um, but I guess my my role on a typical day, we've got a relatively small team. There's only 13 staff in the Department of Agriculture, and that includes our veterinary service. Um, my role spans everywhere from undertaking biosecurity inspections to wool classing to uh, selecting animals for genetics to interpreting interpreting soil test results and providing fertilizer and herbicide recommendations teaching a farmer how to operate a boom sprayer you know it's it's so wide spanning and then i could be sitting down with our legislative drafters the next moment you know helping draft some new legislation for for weed control or something for example so it's really every day is varied but um that makes it interesting it does it certainly <laughs> does yeah and there was one story you mentioned earlier that um Sheep and penguins actually are close friends on the Falkland Islands. Tell me a little bit more. That's right. Them. So I, I guess um, the w we've got about half a million sheep and there's estimated to be a population of about one, one million penguins wow. in the mm -hmm. Falklands. Um, so obviously the penguins come up and establish rookeries or nesting areas where they form small colonies on the coast. Um, and, and some of those some of those species of penguins, you know, they deposit their feces on the soil, which brings a lot of nutrients from the ocean mm -hmm. into the soil. After a couple of years, um, they're really fertile pieces of ground with some of the best the best quality and quantity of grass in the island. Mm -hmm. So, naturally, farmers will use those as, as their lambing camps. So, quite often in November or December, when we've got penguin chicks hatching and lambs starting to hit the ground, you can see. A lamb sitting next to a penguin chick, and it's quite a it's quite a special quite a special thing to see. Yeah, it's interesting that there's somehow a symbiosis of both living. At least the penguins are helping. Yeah, the grass to be more exactly right, and that and, and that comes down to that you know that working in balance with nature, where mm -hmm. we're very much you know trying to utilize that system, but we're we're not doing things that displace the penguins either, so that the sheep aren't having any kind of negative effect on the penguins and the penguins are only bringing good things to the system that mean you know that import of nutrient means we're not removing things in terms of wool you know we've probably got a net zero or even a positive nutrient balance mm, that's exciting one last question before we end um, 
So you're here at the Adam Thiel Congress, and it's been, as far as I can remember, a long time since someone from the Falkland Islands um, attended an international event. So what is also your motivation to connect more to the international rural community? So I, I guess one of the things that we found in the Falklands is, is through the Department of Agriculture, we've relied on our international engagement being via contractors that we bring in. So having a, a low population means we don't necessarily have that technical base. So we've traditionally brought in contractors from the UK or more recently Australia or New Zealand or Uruguay in sheep advisor roles, agronomist roles, nutritionist roles. They come on two-year contracts and they come with their pre-established professional networks. One of the problems is that once those people leave at the end of their contract, those networks become redundant and it's it's broken. So there's no... There's no continuity and we find there's a constant farmer's report, there's a constant cycle where every 15 or 20 years we start going back and doing the same thing as what happened before. Mm -hmm. So what we're hoping to do here is explore the value that IWTO could bring to the Falkland Islands and to hopefully get the Falkland Islands Department of Agriculture as an organisation to join IWTO as an organisation and that helps prevent that personal network reliance and have more of an organisational level, so a high level. You know, I think agriculture these days is something where we need to be internationally engaged in terms of marketing. Um, and it, it just shows me being at this conference just how little people know about the Falklands but how much they want to know mm -hmm. because I've been in every every break or every lunch or every networking opportunity everyone wants to know about the Falklands. So that's that's why we need to get to these forums and start to present and tell them what our story is. You know, we're, we're tucked away at almost the end of the world, but, um, you know, we're very much a part of the world and, and need to be. Yeah, and everybody is um, really inviting to, to connect with you. And that was the same for me. As soon as I, you said, I'm from the Falkland Islands, I was like, oh, I wanted always to interview someone from the Falkland Islands. So yeah. now we did, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Adam, for answering all my questions and yeah. I wish you lots of success with all the endeavors you That's are good. undertaking in the Falkland Islands. <laughs> it's been a pleasure and if any of your listeners are wanting to know more, mm -hmm. um, the Falkland Islands Department of Agriculture has a Facebook page and we've also got a Department of Agriculture website where there's a series of publications where they can find out more in-depth information on our production statistics or our, our bi-monthly newsletters that show what current current trends and current themes are and um, I'd welcome them to contact me via any of those channels if they'd like to know more. Excellent and I'll make sure to link to those in the show notes so that it's easy to find it. Thank you Adam. Perfect, thanks. That was my interview with Adam Doss and his beautiful stories from the Falkland Islands and the Falkland Islands wool growers. If you want to find out more about the Falkland Islands, then head on over to the show notes at elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 083. Once again, elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 083. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for listening and bye for now.